I'm Troy Washington from KTBS 3 and we welcome you to the Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools and our community. We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. So let me introduce to you my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Dr. Roseman, you've been involved with educational excellence for at least 25 years, but you've been passionate about it even longer than that. Tell me a little bit about your story. Well, I'll just tell you that I, I think education is incredibly important to our communities, and we always want to live our communities better than when we found them. And I think in working in education, that's my place, uh, along with what I do in healthcare. But, um, it is uh, uh, the. I think education is really the the driver of opportunity for people. I know it was for me. Uh, it's education that gets us to being able to become a physician and doing other things, and uh, it's just incredibly important. Uh, I um, uh, really am looking forward to today. Uh, we're going to talk about a school that's been here for quite some time. A real school of excellence, um, and I want to invite and tell, uh, introduce uh, the principal uh, and the uh, in, uh, the um, instructional coordinator. Um, first, Miss Williams, Heather Williams, uh, a new principal, yes, uh, a National Board certified teacher, um, a graduate from the Louisiana Principals Fellowship, which I think is a selected program. Um, state finalist in the Presidential Award for Excellence in Math. And we do need to have great math teachers. Uh, and we have Ms. Belinda Scott, uh, who is, uh, has a true diverse experience looking at her CV of <laughs> teaching, I think, every grade in elementary school, maybe, um, uh, uh, during her time. And she's the instructional coordinator uh, at South Highlands. Um, you just uh, got a huge award, um, uh, the Blue Ribbon uh, Award. Yes, sir. Uh, it went to about 300 uh, schools that I know of in this country. There are 130,000 schools. So that's an amazing accomplishment on behalf of you um, and our community uh, and, uh, uh, and, and what you mean to this community. So we want to talk a little bit today about, about South Islands. Uh, about its history and what's going on now uh, in our magnet school program. So first, tell me a little bit about the history of South Highlands. It's, it's been around a long time. Well, it has, and this year is actually the centennial of South Highlands, celebrating 100 years of existence in the current school building. So the original school started in a home on Ontario Street, just a few blocks away from where we currently are at 831 Erie. And um, it was a two-room schoolhouse with upper grades in one room and lower grades in another room. And I think the lobby, the entrance of the house served as the library, just a few shelves on the right and the left as you entered. I think a, a big exciting part back then was when Caddo Parish approved a tar paper room to be added to the back when they had expanded <laughs> in Allegro in the house. So um, we have uh, found lots of wonderful stories about children growing up in that, in that schoolhouse and going home for lunch every day and you know playing Treasure Island in the neighborhood at recess time because that's you know was the books they had so 
1922 started construction on the building that we're currently in now, and in 1923 we brought in students for the first time. So. Our original entrance is boarded up now and part of a classroom. We've had lots yes. of expansion over <laughs> the years since then. Um, an, an office, a performing arts center, some other really state-of-the-art things that we've been able to grow over the years. But it is, it's been really exciting this year. On October 1st, we're going to have our centennial celebration where we invite our alumni, friends, and families to come in. Um, part of this 100 years for us is not only the building and the age itself, but to think of the incredible alumni. We have a high track of academic excellence. So the incredible alumni, the students, and their families, the people who have been a part of our community, I think it's really remarkable also to, we reflect often on the impact South Highlands has had on Shreveport. We're the oldest elementary school in the area. I think there are a few other schools who will be celebrating their centennial in the next few years, but we're the first one. So to think that little, they called it the village of South Highlands starting 100 years ago and just how it's developed over the years, the brick and mortar came into place and, and now yes. here we are. So the growth, it's, my gosh. Absolutely. Just, uh, you said it was just two rooms at first? Yes, yes. it was how two many, rooms. <laughs> how many now, right? And then oh, oh, 30 gosh. at least, <laughs> 30, <laughs> 500 sure. students at this point. And when, when they built the brick and mortar, they had to create a little courthouse and a police station because of the growth as well. So just to think there was, I mean, it was, you know, how rural it was and that there was two sheriffs and that's all that the community had at the time. You know, I might be telling my age, uh, <laughs> but I grew up and went the first four grades of school in a house, uh, a little private school called Pleasant Hall mm -hmm. uh, that was just like that. And uh, yes. so, uh, uh, you know, it's the start of that. So I, I certainly can, can actually envision uh, right. as you sit here and talk about the, the origin of South Highlands. But, yes. you know, it, it has had a huge impact on on our city uh, you know its alumni are a lot of the leaders I think that are currently leaders in our community uh, and it's certainly uh, uh, it's been great that South Highlands has been here all these years let me let's talk a little bit about the cons the magnet system okay so South Highlands is the magnet school yes. um, Tell us about uh, why magnet schools, why you see magnet schools as a really positive thing for our community. Well, so, and when I talk about just magnet schools in general, of course, I'm gonna mention a lot of things that are happening at South Highlands. I have been there for 20 years, or a little bit more. <laughs> and so I can see the great impact that uh, magnet schools have had as students. As with um, as far as working with my peers at other magnet schools you know we collaborate together and so I would say um, the most important benefit is that it allows students to be creative and what I mean by that is um, first it's, it's a choice for parents and um, for the students you get the sense to me of magnet schools of being family because usually your enrollment of students stay with you from kindergarten to fifth grade so you have those same families that's a benefit in that you know each other the students um, are learning and growing through that pivotal time in their age um, to work with each other and so some other things are the community buys in to magnet schools because 
Manning School students give back to the community, and you were mentioning that early, earlier. There are a lot of our parents and grandparents who grew up in that school when it was the, the couple of rooms <laughs> that are so, just a huge part of our community and resources to us. So that's one benefit of it also. Um, and then the fact that, um, that our students understand what the expectations are because they've been there for so long as they grow, that our parents are engaged in our schools, and um, just a host of things. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you just real quickly about the, this is more than just, when you think of South Highlands, you think of uh, some of the other uh, schools that are performing art schools or they're associated with some other uh, thing. And it is about creativity and it is mm -hmm. about learning how to learn, I think. And uh, so uh, how do you take that step from, you know, the basics of math and uh, and English language arts and all that and expand into this building of creativity for elementary school and and uh, uh, students well so I like to share a program that um, that we do and I'm sure you've heard of it arts integration and so that it has been so effective in us continuing to grow, which is a challenge for us each year. And so the arts is a way to have continuity and, and making personal connections to the content areas. So whatever those standards and those and all the disciplines of reading and math and science, the students through the arts and arts integration can make those connections and it helps them to grow in a way that's um, on a higher level as far as critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's one way with that program. However, we do have to, as we grow, continue to think of innovative things that we can do in our school. First, we have to look at our students and see what their needs are, and then we try to build um, programs that will fit those needs, but also continue to have growth. Absolutely. And with all that, you know, growing mean, I think, growing academically and all academically. that, not just, I'm sure your enrollment is, is, <laughs> is probably about all that you can be. People like to get into South Islands. But, yes, but, yes. But tell me about some of the challenges that are associated with Magnet School. I mean, you know, there's, there's all these benefits and thoughts, but also there's challenges that are specific mm -hmm. to, to Magnet Schools. Talk a little bit about those, if you will. Well, if you're a high achieving school, and uh, the measurement that we have is our test scores and other assessments that we do, then you have to, it's almost like you're your worst enemy. You know, you have to continue to beat yourself. Yeah. And so, um, so that is a challenge. So where we start is where it's the most important, again, looking at our students' needs. Um, if there's some gaps in what we have accomplished, and then our next step is to start with our staff. We have highly effective teachers. We have teachers who are, have empathy. We have teachers who want to grow. And so we start with them and we form teams of teachers, teacher leaders, and we collaborate together. And we have our PLCs, professional learning communities, um, 
We empower teacher leaders. We encourage our teachers, even through our PTA, to do professional development. And so because there are teachers who have that mindset of wanting to grow and to continue to inspire their, our children, then we depend on them to come to the table and collaborate uh, with us. And so the challenges are met as a team, yeah. along with our parents as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Now, let me get back to Blue Ribbon School, because I don't yes. think we, we gave it enough uh, time to talk about really what is a Blue Ribbon mm -hmm. School, what does that mean, uh, and what is that telling the community about the school? So, we are, this is our third time to be a Blue Ribbon School, in yes. 2001, 2005, and now, so it's been a while since the last one. Um, Schools can be chosen for two different reasons. They can either be chosen based on their growth or continued performance, you know, high excellence. And um, all three of our blue ribbons are tied to that. So truly the impact mm -hmm. of knowing it's not just our first blue ribbon. The fact, I mean, there are eight, eight schools in the state of Louisiana who have ever gotten a third blue ribbon. And we are the only public elementary school who's been afforded that um, distinction. But it's just continued excellence. You know, we, mm -hmm. when we presented it to the students, we spoke to them about it's, every day coming in and doing mm -hmm. your best. It's pushing through the hard times, it's the teachers like Belinda was referring to, the planning, the extra, the arts integration. Mm -hmm. It's those things that really set the bar above for South Highlands and that is truly what what the excellence continues to be year in and year out. And it's a symbol for us to see, like we were saying earlier, okay, are we, you know, are we, um, continuing to grow, not just by the assessments or state scores, but are we growing our children in more personal ways, emotionally, socially? And so, to me, this third, because I was there when we got the Blue Ribbon the first time and the huh. second time, but this third time was so much more exciting um, to me because I think as a staff, some of us have been there for a long time and we have some new teachers, that it was a symbol to say, we are back and we are continuing to grow. It's a, a visible symbol for us. You have achieved this a third time because you have been successful in growing your students and your faculty and your community. So it's just a symbol to, to confirm for us yeah. that we're continuing so how, how at you the standard of excellence. Yeah, absolutely. How, how are you pushed? You've had to push through COVID, okay, mm -hmm. to get yes. where we are, okay? Yes. I mean, it was not a great last couple of years, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, so pushing through COVID, how are y'all pushing through COVID uh, and getting back on track uh, to, to the sustainability of that excellence that we're talking about yeah. uh, in the school? Yeah, this has been a, a key part of our conversation. As I came in in January as a new principal and we discussed often, how are we going to reestablish our norms going into the school year? What are our expectations? For each other, it was kind of like a, a new start, a new beginning, you know, coming out of this um, with some of those mandates lifted and a little bit more freedom, where are we going to start? So I think we've been very focused on reconnecting, making sure yes. that we are reconnecting with the students. All students exper experienced a loss of learning, no matter if they're a magnet child or not a magnet child. You know, it has affected all of society. So looking at not only their academic concerns, you know, we have classroom support plans in place, which are 
individualized for students, really working with the teachers to make sure we're looking at every individual student and what their needs are, and then making sure we're following through on how to address those. We're doing the same thing with social-emotional learning. You know, CADO has been supportive in bringing in new programs, but we have an incredible counselor who fortunately can handle all of the, the testing part that a counselor's yes. do a lot now, but she does a lot beyond that. She teaches the kids about their bubblegum brains and how they're always growing and how you fill know, your buckets, fill about, others' yes, buckets. Yes, we do. Make a difference Mondays and filling yes. buckets and um, about just positive growth mindset. So we work a lot on just focused on that and social, you know, setting mm -hmm. new social, creating, you know, working through with students about kind of creating those connections. Some have been home for a while and not only are lacking a little bit of their social skills, but have lost some connection. So she's actually a great support in that. She has a lunch bunch and brings in small groups of kids that give, you know, provides mm -hmm. opportunities for them to connect with one another. And then of course our parent involvement, reestablishing that, opening our lines of communication, making sure that whether it be Facebook or email, you know, making sure that they're able to keep up with what's going on. And we've really started the school year, the teachers, the administration, we've all really tried to work on personal connections, picking up the phone, making phone calls, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. This, yeah. So how can yes. parents really dive in and connect with you guys to make sure that their students are on track for success or if there is a bump in the road, that they're connected enough to be able to address it right away. So we challenged our teachers to reach out at the beginning of the year, talk mm -hmm. to every parent personally, just mm -hmm. to say, this is who I am, if you ever need me. So we love a personal phone call, um, but our teachers have emails and they, they hold office hours every day, so they have times that teachers, and they always have a 24-hour window. So I, I remind parents, you know, teachers are working, I don't want them you know, answering emails when they should be teaching, yes. but definitely they should always hear back within 30 hours. And we're all on the same team you know we're all working you know to help little Johnny get through whatever it is we can support or help or sometimes it's things going on outside of school that they just want us That's to know right. about so just making sure that we are vocal and keeping those lines of communication open and we've invited them in so we're open and yes. we're always celebrating that we're open. So open for us means a couple of things, not just that the door is open and yeah. you can literally walk right. in yeah. like you couldn't um, during COVID, but our doors are open, meaning our offices, and we're open for conversations and just digging deeper into what, is going, what has gone on with our children and what presently are some challenges for them. And so our parents walk in, we're out in carpool every morning, we're greeting our children, but we invite our parents to come in if they need to, to talk to us one-on-one. -on -one. Our administrative team meets with them and, and like we, we were talking, Heather was talking earlier about our counselor. She's just extraordinary in how she reaches out for kids in the smaller groups but we welcome them to have conversations for us. And there's some things we weren't aware of, mm -hmm. and then we find that out, and then we try to support the students. Um, even though we have sometimes a really aggressive workload as far as what our expectations are um, in our roles, but we walk our buildings. I, sometimes it, I wonder how many steps I've actually taken. Mm -hmm. uh, we walk you our buildings. <laughs> I don't. I don't uh, carry my phone oh, okay, because right, I okay. leave things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we walk. We walk up and down those stairs. We have our students know us personally. We give hugs. We have conversations in the hall, even though we say it should be quiet in the hall. We walk in our classrooms, and so and our teachers come back. We meet collaboratively 
every week officially with our teachers, but we meet more often our leadership team and our teacher leaders you know, teens. So we're very, very engaged and, and that makes a huge difference. Let me ask you this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have an open door policy, but what I was going to kind of mention, and we've talked about this um, in other episodes, but starting with that two room setup that you guys had, <laughs> I'm sure that the concerns that we have now, they, they just weren't there. Right. Know? So Absolutely. as yes. school has evolved, school safety has as well. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to that, how do you make sure those parents feel like they're always um, welcome? However, protecting the students and making sure that um, campus is safe as well. So that's mm -hmm. something we've actually worked, you know, coming off Uvalde right at the yes. end of the school year, opening the school year back, that was something we worked on as a team. And it's not, I make decisions and Belinda makes decisions and we implement them. We went to the teachers, we talked about, you know, Cato does a good job when they talk to us about safety and say, you know, you, we can't sacrifice safety for convenience. You know, it's, it's easy to leave that door propped open, but then you're opening yourself up, you know. So mm -hmm. we have secure campuses. Cato has provided secure campuses for all of the schools. And it was really a matter of us sitting down and saying, okay, I'm not willing you know, none of us are willing to sacrifice. So we carry our badges with us. You know, we can get through any locked shut door. So we really have made an effort this year to kind of reestablish that. As our doors are opening back up and we want more traffic mm -hmm. in the building, we want to see more parents, they are expected to check in through the front office. And I think that they appreciate that as a parent and value that we're providing a safe environment as well. So they do come through the office. They always check in. They know that, um, we have a wonderful security guard, Officer Gage, who will go hunting them down if they're in the building without, <laughs> without a sticker on. So they sign in and they sign out and they filter. We kind of filter them through the office. But. We do. And we talked about that because before COVID, um, we were a very open school, much like we're trying to um, become now. And as a matter of fact, when I first came to South Highlands, I had to learn the staff and I couldn't distinguish between who was a parent and who was a parent. I mean, who was a teacher and who was a parent. And so, like I said, our parents are very engaged, they're resourceful, they're in helping, but we did have to um, have conversations about safety. And I believe that they understand that we're putting their children first, so they're okay with it. And something Heather mentioned a little earlier, CATO has been supportive and um, trying to make sure that we have proper training. Um, each of us on our administrative team and a couple of teachers too have gone to some of that crisis prevention training and we come back and meet as an administrative team and we have reflection about where are our gaps? How can we do this better? You know, and so the main thing is communication and setting expectations for what, what we need to do. Let me uh, switch gears a little bit and go back and talk about teaching. Because after all, at the end of the day, that's the foundation of excellence in school is great teaching. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure there's uh, no lack of great teachers that y'all depend upon at South Highlands. But tell me a little bit about what's a great teacher to you. You're, you're doing an interview, you, you are a great teacher, you've been acknowledged as a great teacher. So what is a great teacher? So first and foremost to me, a great teacher is someone who's always willing to learn and grow. A great teacher never hits that pinnacle of a great teacher and stops growing. I think part of being a great teacher is knowing that 
you know, you're always ch changing to meet your students' needs. Every year your students are different, every week they're different, you know, they're in a different trajectory of, of where they are in the learning process, and so altering, being able to alter your instruction to meet those needs really is, is part of being a great teacher. So that comes flexibility, that comes willingness to grow yourself and spend some extra time sometimes. Um, it comes with a positive attitude. You know, it can, it can get to be a lot sometimes. So being able to stay organized and manage all of that. But we work to really create a collaborative environment. I know Ms. Scott has talked a lot yes. about our teacher leader teams. Um, and we rely heavily on those teachers to grow each other as well. So we feel like collaboration, you know, working amongst each other helps. So in it's that sort of area. like the TAP model, the yes. teacher. Absolutely. Yes. Very much Absolutely. like the TAP model. And so um, one thing we mentioned earlier was how um, we were engaged with our parents and coming back, how our teachers made that first phone call, had a, you know, a conversation with our parents um, in its various ways that they do that but a very effective teacher needs to have good communication skills and good rapport with people. And so, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, have empathy, be willing to collaborate. Being a learner, remember that you are a continuous learner yourself. And because of that, then you're gonna extend yourself to do professional development. Sometimes you have to be reflective. Um, and see where you might need to grow yourself. Um, be willing to share with teams, meaning you don't have a closed door policy and, oh, this is just my classroom and I do this, that you're willing to show some things that are your strength, which we talk about doing with our teachers all the time, making peer observations um, um, and talking with each other. But we have had the opportunity to interview a couple of teachers. We have some teachers that are new to our building and that's the first questions we ask. You know, what are your communication skills? How do you communicate? Um, our middle name at South Highlands is flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you willing to adapt to change? Do you buy into this vision of we are a family and we support each other? Um, and so just that continuous mindset of growth. Let me get back to about to the teaching. One more, one more question about it. You're you're a great math teacher. Obviously, math. You look at the scores. Math is the the difficult one, you know, to overcome as far as where we need to be mm -hmm. uh, as a community and those skills. Um, what what can we do to 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 bring those math scores up? I'm not not just talking at your school, but right. across the plane. What have you seen? So I really think we changed curriculum a few years ago in Caddo and personally as a math teacher I felt like I hit my pinnacle at that time and that's when those awards came in, in that era but I was using a small group setting. So that's a traditional thing to use when you're teaching reading and writing, you sit with children and work individually. It, it wasn't at the time really traditional for the math classroom. So I think really working with students in a small group setting is, is a huge you know, advantage to knowing where are they struggling. Mm -hmm. And then training teachers. Teachers have to have the capacity to be able to look at a mistake and say this is a conceptual understanding mistake, this is a procedural skills mistake and be able to fill those gaps as well. So just making sure that we are giving teachers the right tools and the right training to support that. You know, I think at one point 
the amount of minutes, you know, wasn't fair between ELA and math. We were very unbalanced. And reading will always drive the train. Reading and writing will always drive the train. But a, a rich discussion-based classroom in math, talking yes. about the learning, you know, the metacognition involved and being able to think about where they are in the, in the process of learning. Sometimes you get a math skill and you don't understand it and you shut down. The teacher introduced it, I went home, I shut down, I don't know, I learned nothing today, I'm confused, it's hard. Um, then I used to talk to parents as a math teacher, don't bring your math phobias onto my children. You know, we're all <laughs> capable learners, it may take time, yes. but that's part yes. of the learning process. So I think math teachers being open and honest with students about that, setting their mindset, okay, I'm gonna give you something new today, it's hard, but that's okay. Tomorrow it's gonna get easier, we're in this together. You know, I think that children would be more open to that struggle that comes in math. Yeah, so they, their parents, they go home to their parents who maybe didn't like math or Yes. Wasn't really a positive. Thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, she already told me about her math <laughs> math too. skills, but uh, uh, and and so that just drives the child to say, well, I don't know, it's right. going to be terrible. I don't know if I can do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. You've got to overcome those barriers yes. Uh, yes. to be able to do that. Well, uh, and one other thing that I'm going to add to what um, Heather was saying too, um, for teachers to sometimes in math it was work the problem but you didn't really solve it and explain it deeper mm -hmm. or um, that the teachers need to meet. I, so what I really think we have talked about is, because I'm an ELA reading teacher in my heart, and I didn't, like you, wasn't <laughs> really excited about math. However, as we have done extensive training with the science of reading is our buzz uh, right now. And you look at the teachers that are reading and writing teachers, we discovered that there's a connection to how you teach children in math as well. You know, that those disciplines are really connected. And I think what we do really well in our school, so I'll take a grade, for example, fourth grade, the reading teacher, what her expectations are for writing, finding evidence, explaining your answer in more detail is what the math teacher is saying too. And so I think the kids may blink and like, oh, am I in reading or am I in math? And so what we see in math too is more writing more critical thinking, evaluating what you're doing to solve your problems. It's not just working the problem, but knowing it in great detail. So making connections across those disciplines and the practices we have had in reading and writing, you know, connect some of those kind of practices and how you teach children with math. You conference with students when they have writing, and you probably remember that the teacher maybe mm -hmm. was writing in red, but we don't do that. You know, when your answers were incorrect, you conference with them when you're having discussions about their, converse, uh, their comprehension. So those practices and strategies can also be used in math. And, and I think that makes it, you know, not so challenging. So, Troy, the main thing is with your, <laughs> with your little one is not to pro prolong your feelings about math on yes. her. She might be a nuclear yes. physicist. Do she might be right. a nuclear That's physicist right. waiting to be gone. You've obviously you've answered this question a little bit before, but just go into a little bit more detail. Obviously, art, music, liberal arts, all of that matters at South Highlands, your performing arts school. Tell me why that's so important, and 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 talk to me a little bit about what we should be doing in other schools too. Are there ways that we can incorporate 
things of music and things about art uh, that might be important. So if you would, just mm -hmm. talk a few minutes about that. So the arts integration piece, I think, is really a game changer for South Highlands. Yes, you know, as, as Ms. Scott mentioned before, it's cross-curricular. We take art standards and mix them with social studies standards and study history. We look at paintings. We talk about, in writing, we talk about perspective. Well, we do that with paintings as well. We're able to just bring in art into all the subjects. It's, it's a practice that takes practice. It's not something that's easy to do. But it starts with art enhancement. It starts with coloring a picture that goes with the story, those kinds of more simple things. It starts there. So any exposure that you can bring into the children's lives is going to be helpful. Um, but I think that I think one thing that the arts really has done for us is helps us to produce leaders. We have, you know, we're not only an arts integration school, the performing arts piece of our school. I always say it, it's not kids running around in tights and tutus on stage necessarily. It is getting on stage and learning how to be public speakers. We have first graders who dress up as presidents and first ladies. They walk across the stage, they introduce themselves, and they tell a fact about them. At six years old, every that confidence that early, absolutely, that really is a game changer. Annually, it brings yes. a tear to your eye because it's just—it is truly awe-inspiring to see these little, little tiny people walk across the stage. They're not all—they're not stepping out of line in their class. They are entering that stage alone, walking mm -hmm. to the middle mm -hmm. with 500 people in that audience Ooh, and that. speaking by themselves. So. It produces public speaking and leadership skills, I think, that are absolutely invaluable, as well as the cultural exposure that arts can bring into. You know, we talk a lot about this SEL piece and coming back into from COVID and rebuilding these social connections. Art is a, is a really great way to support all of that as well. You know, just a first quick personal story on this is that uh, my son uh, really came in to, began to bloom as a person when given the responsibility of being one of the people that were working in, in a play, okay? Mm -hmm. and, we, and he then became really interested in play, and he was on the original uh, group, the screenwriters for the, the, the television show, good, The Good Doctor. But it all started back with music and art yes. and, and building self-confidence through those things. So I can see how that can be something in leadership and to add one more thing I think to to that whole concept is that I don't know a lot of my colleagues physician colleagues a lot of them including I have some do some music but I got were involved in music I was just about uh, to say I know you're going to say we're musicians because it supports math I mean we teach it, it hand in hand absolutely I think it does. having a strong understanding of music makes you you know, it's a, it correlates very closely with mathematics. Yeah. Well, and our children, because arts integration, again, it is you are fully implementing the art standards. If it's visual art or dance or drama, whatever that is, and then implementing the content standard and you're connecting them. So, and I'm going to brag on Heather just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I remember her teaching a lesson, and we were talking about oh. that today, about perimeter and math. And so there were students who weren't making that connection, and math can be very hard. But talk about what you did with engaging a parent into math, and then the children drew um, they, a design for their bedrooms or something mm -hmm. in their house. So a child who may be a struggling student in math 
was sparked by the connection they saw in the art. And it, it's just a light bulb that comes on. Yeah, yeah. And so struggling students also who may be shy and intimidate, intimidated because they aren't great readers when they read out loud, when they hear about an artist or a playwright or a person they that they can relate to. And that's exactly the magic word. They can make um, connections to real things that are relevant in life. Absolutely. With, them, with the arts. And what you were pointing out, I still remember the song about perimeter that I learned whatever grade that was. And I would sing yes. for you guys if I sung, if I was a good singer. So yes. you don't want to hear yes. that. But I remember that song and that was like, what, third or fourth grade? Mm -hmm. But it sticks with you. So I think that you're onto something there because as we're soon as you said it, I, said, I started singing it in my head and I was like, yeah, I that's true. It. That's right. Yes, that's right. it is. And so it's, it's a, it's, the process itself just takes you, we were talking, getting ready for our open house, to that higher level of Bloom's taxonomy, um, where you're designing and creating. And our kids, when they do, our first grader she was just speaking about, that walk on the stage and say their lines or whatever, do you know they were part of writing that script for themselves? Do you That's know impressive. they were part? And I know because the parents tell us, well, <laughs> she said she wanted to wear this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That independence. That yes. Like and so our children are doing that. Not only are they brave on the stage, and then those who aren't brave or have that confidence to be on the stage may work in the sound booth yeah. or may do something else that helps um, with the props. And, and so the arts, for when we first started, we were enhancing because we had to do professional development. We had to fully understand the connections. And um, we've been to some wonderful schools um, that have done it and, you know, just in its totality. But we were amazed at where it took our children and growing them. And that's another way, like we said, we, we were challenged to grow to do this program. You know, this has been a great conversation. Feel like I know a lot more about the magnet program, a lot more about South Highlands. Again, I can't tell you how much as a community member, how much I appreciate the school and the work that y'all do every day. Um, and so I'm going to end with kind of a tough question, but not too tough, uh, but something y'all probably think about and we think about in the former community every day, which is about the best and, our, and the brightest. And uh, we want to keep the best and the brightest in our community, that's how we become a greater and better community. So I, I'm just, just some thoughts that you might have on that yes. subject of the best and the brightest and how we keep them in the community. Well, so like right now with our students, because um, we talk about our students um, about being engaged. If you're a tiger, then you have to be fully immersed as a tiger. And so that means being part of your community, that's your classroom, being responsible, being respectful um, as a cheerleader, as in student council, a peer helper. We're about community in our school. And so we probably need to inspire and keep encouraging our children that they make that transition from South Highlands, being fully engaged in their school and supportive to our community as well. Be engaged, be supportive. You be the first start 
you establish something because we've set that foundation for them in South, in South Highlands as a community person. So maybe just encouraging them to extend themselves. You know, just to interest, um, in Texas, where my, my daughters are now and my, my grandchildren, when you go in the elementary school in Texas, they have pictures of all the Texas universities all the way down. They don't have anybody else's university, but they have every <laughs> Texas university. Sometimes I think, and, and I also went into the classroom, and they do not only the pledge to the flag of the United States, but the pledge to the Texas, Texas. flag. I taught in okay. Texas. I'm I could probably. Texas. I'm from <laughs> Texas too. I taught in Texas. I'm not down in Texas. I'm telling, Texas, telling. I'm saying that, man. Don't don't we need to do some They're things proud. like that? They're, They're proud, proud of their their they place. Are. They're proud. I grew of their up thinking that that was how everyone did it, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what we did. That's me what, too. Yeah, I had to learn that when I went to Texas, and so. Our students, um, they have pride in their school. Absolutely. Yeah, and they pride. know they are part of it today. You can see it all over their faces. Even if they couldn't quite understand, now, what do you mean, you know, blue ribbon? And we don't really see a blue ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> but our conversations to them are you're part of this and it started with you mm -hmm. and again it starts first thing in the morning when we're in carpool not just our administrative team but our fourth graders and our fifth graders opening the doors and helping the kindergartners out and giving them encouraging words we don't rehearse them we rehearse how to be safe but we don't rehearse those words with them it's ingrained in them and they remember that when they were kindergartners or first graders and so that spirit of community is ingrained with them and every, we don't say the pledge we don't say Louisiana like we did the pledge to the <laughs> Texas state flag but we do have a motto about South Highlands and they believe in it so when Miss Williams walked across that stage and said it's about the excellence, achieving excellence. They knew what that meant. Is and that the so, motto? No. no. <laughs> I am in South Highlands to be my, be best. my best. Do my best. Nothing, Nothing less. less. <laughs> That's great. Every day. That's right. Thank y'all so much Absolutely. for coming and being with us. And, and thank again, you for inviting us. Thank, we're very thankful for what you do. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And you can really hear the Tiger Pride. Oh, <laughs> We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.